0: Welcome to the Aiden Mari Podcast and thank you for listening. This is a podcast where we like to explore faith, the Bible, and trying to better follow Jesus. This podcast is a collection of sermons, interviews, and also me just rambling about different things about Christianity or what's on my mind or conversations we're having. We're trying to upload weekly, so hopefully that happens. So I hope you enjoy and let's get on with this week's episode. How you guys doing? Uh, Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, So we are starting a new series called uh, The Problem with Christmas. So um, essentially, um, I kind of want to put it this way. So Christmas is something that comes around every year. And to be honest, most of the time, the Christmas story has zero impact on me because I don't really think about it. And for a long time when I was in youth, I didn't really know the background context that makes um this story so important and so amazing um with that said how many of you guys have seen spider-man homecoming how many how many how many of you guys like it all right so there's this scene in spider-man homecoming that i think is is the best scene in the movie uh it was my favorite and when it happened i was like whoa 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 and uh and so what happens is well actually you know what why don't you guys check it out It's game day, so what's the plan? Open the door for her. Mm-hmm. Tell her she looks nice, but mm-hmm. not too much, because that's creepy. Don't be creepy. No, and uh dance with her. I'll put my hands on her hips. I got this. Love you. Bye. Must be Peter. Yeah. I'm Liz's dad. Put her there. Hell of a crip. Come on in here. Come on. Awesome. Thank you. You got his name right. Freddie? Peter. 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 I'm gonna go get Liz. Okay. You all right, Pete? Yeah. Because you look pale. You don't send him drink, like a bourbon or a or something like that? I'm not old enough to drink. The right answer. Wow, 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 wow! Do you look beautiful? Please don't embarrass me, Dad. Doesn't <laughs> she, Pete? Yeah, you look really good. Once again, that's the right answer. Is that a corsage? Thanks. Well, hey, I'm your chauffeur, so uh, let's get the show on the road. No, 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 no! We have to take some pictures, babe. Oh, right here. Perfect. Okay. Come on, you guys. Peter, closer. Smile. There you go. Oh. Uh. Sir, you don't have to drive us. Nah, nah, it's not a big deal. I'm going out of town. It's right on my way. He's always coming and going. Last time. Babe. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I promise. He's cute. <laughs> See you in a couple Stay. days. Hey. All right. Come Pedro. Bye, Peter. Have fun. Yeah. All right, all right. So you might be wondering if you've never seen the movie, that seems really confusing. You're like, really? That's his favorite scene in the movie? Very awkward. Very weird. Um, but what's actually happening in the scene is, see, if you miss the rest of the movie before that, the scene is almost meaningless. So what's happening is. Um, this whole movie, Spider-Man's been fighting this dude named the Vulture, who is the dad. And what happens is, he's in love with this girl named Liz, and he goes and he asks her out to prom, and so he's pretty pumped, he's pretty jazzed, and he's heading out to take her on a date. And then when the door opens, you find out that her dad is the villain he's been fighting the whole movie. And that's why he's so freaked out, he's like, oh shoot, he has no idea I'm Spider-Man, but I know who this guy is. And, uh, and it's one of my favorite scenes of the movie. Um, and The thing is, it's a plot twist, where if you miss the beginning of the movie, the scene's almost meaningless. It's lost all of its meaning. And you might kind of understand what's going on, but you're going to miss most of the dramatic effect. And, and, and with the Christmas story, um, that's actually the same thing that's happening. Is a lot of us don't know the past and don't know it that well. So when Jesus shows up, it's actually almost meaningless. Like, we've missed so much because... Um, because we just don't understand what's been going on before, just like in that Spider-Man scene. And, and what happens is that if you actually know the story of the Bible, if, if you actually know the Old Testament, which is most of the Bible, uh, you actually realize that, that Christmas is about grace, and it's about how loving God is, and it's amazing that Jesus shows up in the form of a child on earth. And so this Christmas, I want us to be able to celebrate God's unexpected grace, and it's a surprise, and it's shocking, um, but here's the thing, if you don't know the beginning of the story, it's almost meaningless. And so what happens is, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fill you in real quick, We're going to go like super fast. So I'm going to explain it to you really quick, we're going to skip over tons of stuff, but we're going to get the gist of it, alright? So in the beginning, God um, was, was floating around doing his thing, and there was nothing. And what happened is God decided, okay, I'm gonna start making some stuff. So God made the stars, he made galaxies, he made the heavens, um, he, made, he made everything out there and then he comes to earth and, and he gives it form and shape. And what happens is he makes water and then he makes land and then he, and then he makes um, the sun and then plants and animals and, 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 and fish and birds and, 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 and all of the things that you can imagine that you see around you. And then what happens is on the last day, he decides, you know what? I'm going to make the best thing I've made yet. And he, and he makes human beings. He makes a man and a woman. And, and he puts them in this garden and they have everything they need. And here's the thing. The earth wasn't like what it is now. It was perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. There was no evil. There was no, there, there was no sickness. There was no death. Um, there was no lying, no cheating. All of that stuff that, that, that we see, that we hate, um, none of that was there. And so they're put in this garden and it's perfect and everything's legit, everything is awesome. And God puts them in the garden, but because God loves us, he doesn't want us to just be mindless slaves who have to follow him. He wants us to actually choose to follow him. And, and like any relationship, he wants you to actually rule, want to follow him. So what he does is, is a tree is put in the garden and he goes, okay, I've got one rule. You can eat anything you want, it's all fair game, do whatever you want. Uh, but here's one rule. This tree that I put here, don't eat from this tree. Pretty simple stuff. The only rule they had was don't eat from this tree. You can eat it whatever you want, just not this tree. And they're like, all right, sounds like a good deal. So they go on with it. God's like, sweet, I'm out of here. And he kind of does God things. I don't know what he was doing during this time. And eventually, a, a, a while passes, and the woman who's named Eve is walking around. She's doing her thing. And, and what's happened before that that we don't see um, is that an angel, one of the, one of the cool, like, not, I'm not talking like babies with wings. I'm talking like massive, glowing, um, Hulk-looking things, but are way smarter than the Hulk. They've got the brain of Bruce Banner, but the, the size of the Hulk. We're talking one of those guys um, is up in heaven. And what he realizes is that he wants to be God. And, and so there's a war that goes on. And this dude decides that he is better than God. And he doesn't need to listen to God. And so this angel is then cast out of heaven. And you might know him as Lucifer, or you might know him as as his um, more common name, Satan, or the devil. And and so Satan is thrown out of heaven with all the people who decided to ban with him. And what he does is he goes to the garden and he shows up to Eve as a snake. And and, and he's in this tree. And he's in the tree. He's not sp- like they're not supposed to eat from. And Eve's, Eve is walking. She's doing her thing. You know, she's strutting, doing whatever they did in the garden. And then there's a snake. And he shows up. And, and, and he tells her something. He goes, hey, I, uh, I got a little story for you, all right? Uh, you see this tree here? Did God say you're not supposed to eat from the tree? She's like, yeah, that's what he said. And then he's like, oh, 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 did, like, so he told you that if you ate from it, you would, like, die and that, all that stuff? And she's like, yeah, even though that's not really what he said. But she kind of went with it and went, sure. And then he's like, well, you're not going to die. Like... <laughs> get it together. You think this fruit's going to kill you? Come on. God's holding out on you. He's, he's trying to control you and manipulate you. You think he's on, he, he's on your side? He's not. He's just trying to control you. And so Satan goes, why don't you eat it? Because God knows if you eat it, you're going to be like him. You're going to know good and evil. You're going to be just like God. And he, he doesn't want you to be like him. So why don't you eat it? And she goes, oh, makes a lot of sense. And so she eats the fruit. And then what happens is the entire world changes in an instant. It, it says that her eyes were open and then she gives some to Adam, her husband, the dude, and he eats it and his eyes are open. And what they know now is is it's not just good, they also know evil. And humanity is broken and fractured and, and the relationship is broken and, and they run away because they go, we've like a bad thing and now that we've eaten it, we've realized how badly we messed up. So they run into some bushes and they hide, like that's gonna stop God from finding them or something. And then God comes down in the garden and he's going for a little walk in the in the cool breeze, it says, and he's going for a nice little stroll. And he yells out and he says, Adam, Eve, where you at? <laughs> I've come to hang out or play chess or something. Where you guys, where are you guys at? And he knows where they are, but the thing is he wants them to, to come to him. Because right now they're scared and he wants them to see there is nothing to be afraid of. And so they come out ashamed. Um, they realized because before they had no sin um, that, that they didn't realize they were naked and they realized they were naked so they put some leaves together so God's like, hmm, something's changed. If you had a friend your whole life who was naked and all of a sudden they were wearing clothes, you'd be like, what's up that you decided to put on pants today for the first time ever. And so God's kind of like, all right, I see something's up. I see something's up. And, and so he has a conversation with them and, and, and what happens is they admit it but, but they admit it by blaming each other. So the, the dude blames the girl and goes, it's all her fault. And the girl goes, "Well, it's the snake's fault." And so what God does is He looks at Satan and He goes, "You know what? I've had it with you, and I'm telling you right now that I'm not dealing with you yet. But but there is a person who is going to come, and you are going to strike his heel, but he's going to crush your head, and you're going to be done. You're going to be over with." And so the world is broken, and and pain and evil and suffering come into it, and, and it's not back to the way it was. But God leaves them with this promise that eventually he's going to make everything right. He's going to put everything back to the way it was. In fact, it's going to be better, and he's going to deal with Satan. And so the story goes on. Humanity goes out. They multiply, and and, and years pass. And then there's this guy named Abraham. And he's hanging out. He's doing his thing, you know, whatever Abraham did. And he's sitting, and he's old. And God shows up and goes, hey, you remember Adam and Eve a long time ago when I said I was going to stop this sin problem that we have where evil and pain and death are in the world? He's like, yeah, what about And and then God says, I'm going to use your family line to do it. And Abraham's like, pretty sweet. That sounds good to me. So uh, God then takes this people, all of Abraham's kids, grandkids, great-grandkids, all that stuff, uh, and, and they're called Israel. Or you might know them as the Jews. And he takes this group of people called the Jews, and he's like, through you guys, I'm going to bring this snake crusher and, and so the time passes and eventually, long story short, these people, the Jews, Israel, they get enslaved to Egypt. And so they're sitting in the pyramids with Pharaoh. They're probably the ones building the pyramids. And they're, they're slaves for 400 years. And eventually God raises up a guy you might have heard named Moses. And Moses is from Israel and he's also a Jew. And long story short, God's like, hey, go tell Pharaoh, let my people go. So Moses goes up, he's like, let my people go. Pharaoh's like, ain't no way, son, I need free labor. So what happens is, is God Egypt, and removes Israel from Egypt. He sends a bunch of plagues, and they're freed from Egypt. And, and now they're out in the desert all by themselves, alone, and they're a little bit scared. And what happens is they're sitting there, and, and God's like, okay. Uh, Why don't you guys come to this mountain? So they come to the mountain. God's like, okay, here's some rules, some ground rules. You guys are sinful and and messed up and you do dumb things. So I'm going to make some rules so that we can get this snake crushing thing going on. They're like, sounds legit. We don't like sin. We don't like death. We will do whatever it is you say. And God's like, sweet, awesome. And then what happens is they don't. They do the opposite of what God said. And they continually over and over again disobey God's rules. And God tries to tell them, hey, please stop. And they're like, but we like sinning. And so they keep doing whatever they want. And eventually, long story short, it gets to this point where they're like, we want a king. And the thing is that God was supposed to be their king. And that was supposed to make them different. They weren't supposed to be like everybody else. They were supposed to be fully after God's heart. But they go to God and they say, we want a king. And God's heart's kind of broken, and he goes, I, I, I was supposed to be your king. But you know what, I love you so much that I'm going to give you what you shouldn't have, and I'm going to give you a king. And so they get, they get kings, and, and, and the first king, um, he kind of moves on, and then another king rises up, and his name is David. You might know him, the guy with the stones, hit Goliath in the head, knocked his head, killed him, then cut his head off and like, raised it up. Pretty awesome. Um, David um, is, is a king. And and God says that he is a man after his own heart. He's one of the few people, one of the few Israelites who actually longs to, to serve God. And so God shows up to David and he says, hey, guess what? This snake crusher dude that we've been talking about for all these years... He's going to come from your family line. He's going to be a king. So he's not just a snake crusher. He's a snake crushing king, which is way cooler. If you were like walking around school, you're like, I'm the snake crushing king, baby. I don't know. That sounds cool to me. And and so he's like, sweet. This sounds good. But what happens is David has a kid, and that kid sucks. And then that kid has a kid, and that kid's even worse. And then that kid has a kid, and he's even worse. And, And we keep seeing these kings be absolute failures, and it gets so bad, they worship other idols, they're killing people who are innocent, they're they're putting people into slavery, and God goes, that's it, I've had enough. And and he takes Israel out, and and, and he sends them back into slavery um, to kind of get them to feel some remorse for what they've been doing. He goes, you can't keep hurting people, you can't keep hurting yourself. And so they're in slavery again. And what happens is some, some guys named prophets rise up, and there are people who hear from God and, and, and they tell the people, hey, we might be in exile, but this snake crusher king's coming and he's going to set everything right. And, and, and he's going to get rid of evil. He's going to get to the pain. He's going to get rid of death. And he's going to give us eternal life. He's going to give us a way to get back to the garden. He's going to give us a way to actually have that relationship with God again that we've been longing for. And all these prophets die and then it's silent for 400 years. There's nothing. There's no prophets, there's no kings, nobody hears from God, it's just quiet. And for 400 years there's this long aching inside of them for this king that they've been waiting for. And, and then God breaks the silence after 400 years and this happens. It says in the 6th month Elizabeth's pregnant in Elizabeth's pregnancy who's a lady. Um, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth A village in Galilee. So God sends this angel for the first time in 400 years. uh, He sends them to this small town. And and he sends them to a virgin named Mary. And she was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. A descendant of King David. So this guy is is part of the kingly line. Even though he's not a king himself, he's one of David's kids. And, And Gabriel appeared to her and he said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord's with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. And he said, Don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be uh, very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of your ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, But how can this happen? I'm a virgin. It's not possible. And the angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and and with the power of the Most High, He will overshadow you so that a baby will be born, and He will be holy, and He will be called the Son of God. And Mary responded, I'm the Lord's servant. May everything that you've said come true. And the angel left her. And so 400 years of silence is broken by an angel showing up to a teenage girl. And this teenage girl is told, You're going to have a baby, and He's actually going to be God's son. And God in the flesh. And she's like, how is this possible? I'm a virgin. And if you don't know what that is, ask your parents later. Um, She's like, this is impossible for me to have a baby. I haven't done the stuff you need to do to have a baby. And and he's like, yeah, I get that. But this is going to be a holy kid. This is going to be a set-apart kid. He's not going to be like those other kings who mess everything up. This is actually God's son. He's God in the flesh. And he's going to be holy and righteous and finally, we see this snake-crushing king come to be. And so when this story happens, it's huge. Because we have seen humanity again and again spit in God's face and go, I don't want you. And you might go, well, I shouldn't do that, but we already have. We've done it ourselves. If you can't relate, uh, newsflash, uh, you've lied. <laughs> you've, you've hated people. You've gossiped. You have... Um, You've probably stolen something at some point, small, still stolen. And here's the thing. All of those things are us actually turning our back on God and going, we want what we want, and we don't care about you. And you might go, well, I do care about God. But the thing is, as soon as you turn your back, that relationship is forever broken, and we are all broken. And there's been 400 years of this just silence, God not saying anything, and it's finally broken through. And what's happening is instead of God doing what he should do, Which is just punish us because here's the thing. If someone murders and rapes my family, you better believe I'm sending that guy to jail. But God goes, you know what? You may have wronged me. You may have stolen from me. You may have hurt me. All of you have. But I'm not giving up. In fact, I'm actually going to come. And I'm going to die. And this baby boy in a manger doesn't stay a baby for long. We know he grows up. And he turns into a man. And he goes out. And he starts preaching and he starts saying, hey, the kingdom of God is here. Do you understand what this means? God is finally doing what was promised for thousands of years. It's happening. And so these people start following him and he's healing people. He's casting out happens. He's setting things right. He's forgiving sins. Something that hasn't been able to happen. He's literally telling people, you are forgiven. Their debt is paid. And what happens is, Humanity is still messed up, and even though God's come down, even though God has shown up, we turn on him like we do every time, and we take him, and Jesus gets taken, and and this mob yells, crucify this guy, And, and what crucifixion is, they take a massive wooden pillar, they put another wooden pillar like this, they drive nails through your hands, and they hang you there like this, So that your lungs collapse as you go like this. You will slowly collapse your lungs. And if that wasn't enough, you get to have two nails on your feet like this. So that every time you push up to actually take a breath, you have to rub your feet into the nails on your feet. So that you can lift up just to get a breath. And on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, humanity takes him. And they take this thing called the cat of nine tails. Which is just a bunch of ropes with glass and metal shards on it. And they mangle his body to the point that you couldn't recognize him. Imagine seeing someone so messed up from getting cut that you didn't know who they were anymore because they were that messed up. And then these guards take him and they put a robe on him. They say, you're the snake crushing king. They put a robe on him, this crown of thorns. So they wind thorns together. They put it on his head and they push it into him so that it hurts even more. They give him a staff. And and they bow to him. They worship him. And they go, oh, all hail the king of the Jews. All hail the snake crusher king. And they make fun of him. And then they start spitting on him. And they beat him. And then if that wasn't enough, they take him, mutilated, beaten, scorned, spit on. They strip him absolutely naked. And they don't show you this in the movies because it wouldn't be appropriate. So Jesus is fully naked. They give him this massive wooden cross. And they say, carry it up the hill. And what happens is as he carries it up the hill, he's got wooden splinters going into his torn up back as he's bleeding. And in fact, he faints and falls. And it's so bad that what happens is that they have to give him an assistant to help him carry the cross because he can't do it. And Jesus goes up the hill. And and, and he goes up. They throw it on the cross. They put him on it. They nail him up. And then they put it up. And what happens is they put a sign above it and they go... King of the Jews, this is the snake crusher. This is the guy you were promised. Look at him. He's pathetic. And what they do is they kill God. And, and a Roman soldier is standing at the cross, and he looks up. And, and as Jesus is dying and yelling, being mocked, he lets out a cry. And he yells to God something maybe some of you have yelled. And he goes, God, why have you forsaken me? And he dies and he tells God take my spirit and in that instant he droops down lifeless and then an earthquake happens the world shakes because even though we might not mourn that Jesus is dead the earth will mourn for us and it shakes and cries out and and and, and what happens is there's this temple that God told Israel to build a long time ago and he said hey when I gave you all those rules, you got to keep those rules and I'm going to stay in this nice little tent because I'm so holy that if you actually come into my presence, you'll instantly die. That's how messed up you are. And so God's in this tent and what happens is when the earthquake happens, the curtain that divided humanity and God was ripped in half. And what the father was saying was, look, you might not get what's going on, but there is no longer a separation between me and you anymore anymore. And you may have beaten me, and you may have whipped me and crucified me, and you may not know who I am, but I still love you. And even though humanity continually turned its back on God, God never turned his back on us because he's good. And you might sit there and be sorrowful and feel bad, but that's not the end of the story. A day passes, nothing, silence. We're back to where we were. Is it going to be another 400 years? Who knows? We thought this was the guy. And then on that third day, some some of his friends. um, You want to know what's funny? It was a woman who brought sin and death into the world, but it's also a woman who does this. They go to his tomb to go and mourn, and they show up, and there's a massive stone that weighed thousands of pounds, and it's moved which is impossible, unless you got a bunch of guys moving it. And so they're like, what happened? And they go in the tomb, because they're freaking out. And inside, they find two angels sitting there. They're like, yo, what you looking for? And they're like, uh, Jesus, (laughs) you know? And they're like, he's not here. What do you mean he's not here? He's risen from the dead. Because Jesus crushed the snake. You remember sin, death? He crushed it. And it bit his heel when he died, but he rose again. It wasn't over. And so they hear this news, and, and the, same, the same people, not literally, but the same gender who, who brought sin is now going to go and spread good news for the first time. They get the gift of restoring what happened thousands and thousands of years ago, and they actually go out and tell people, hey, Jesus isn't dead. And, and, and what happens is, is one of my favorite stories. They're sitting there freaking out. Jesus is alive. And Jesus walks through the door. Now he's, I don't know what he's doing. He just walks through the door. And his first words out of his mouth are, you got any fish to eat? (laughs) That's literally what happens. He walks in and he says, I'm hungry. I just died. I come back. You got some food for me, please? So They're freaking out. They make some fish and they hang out. and, and, And Jesus is like, hey. I'm going to go to this hill, and I want you guys to meet me there. And they're like, what do you mean? And then, boom, he's out of there. He disappears. They're like, well, I guess we better find this hill. And so what happens is is 500 people show up to this hill. Um, They hear the news. They show up, and they're like, all right, we're waiting for Jesus. And then Jesus shows up. And then he tells them this. Uh, He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I've given to you. And be sure of this. I'm with you always to the end of the age. And we see it. We see Emmanuel. And this angel told Joseph, his his earthly dad, not his real dad, but the guy who took care of him, he told him, this this kid, Emmanuel... His name's going to be Emmanuel. And you might be going, but Jesus is called Jesus. What do you mean he's going to be called Emmanuel? And Emmanuel means God with us. And, 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 And we thought that God would be with us physically, but actually it's something greater. Because if he was here physically, he couldn't be with all of us. And even though we turned our backs on him, even though we sinned, even though we're the ones who hung him on the cross, he hasn't given up. And he goes, I am Emmanuel. He goes, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And what happens is that you might be sitting there, you might feel sorrowful, <laughs> and what Jesus is saying is, put your faith in me. Because here's the thing, God's good. And, and God loves us. And, and this Christmas story is so much greater than we make it out to be, it becomes numb. We lose all meaning. And what happens is, is God goes, you know what? You've messed up your whole life. You know it. I know it. We all know it. And so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pay what should have been you because you've, you've done the wrong, so you should be the one punished. But instead, I'm going to get punished even though I've done nothing wrong. I'm going to take your place. And on top of that, if you want to actually have a relationship with me, if you actually want to experience Emmanuel, me always being with you, all you have to do <laughs> is believe in me and then follow and, and so Jesus pays our costs so that we could come to him freely. And he, and he says that if, if you confess with your mouth that I'm Lord, you're saved. And then he goes, from that point, I want you to do this. I want you to learn to obey all that I've commanded. And I want to help you with it. He doesn't leave you alone. That's also why we're here is to help each other trust and follow Jesus. We're not just here because it's fun. Man, there are so many... so. Many other things you could be doing that are way better. Like, let's be honest. This is not Disney World. And we will never be Disney World because we're not Disney World. Our games will will only be so fun. And if you're coming here just for that, you've missed the whole point. Because the whole point is while we were still sinners, Jesus came and died for us. Before you were even born, God knew you by name And as he was hung on that cross, he thought of you. And he went to the cross because he thought of you. And now he's sitting here going, listen, don't let this Christmas be like any other Christmas. Actually understand that it's about grace. And I'm holding out my hands with holes in them permanently. And I'm saying, do you see what I did? Are you willing to take my hand and follow me? And so this Christmas, man, let's celebrate God's unexpected grace. And so I've got two questions for you. First, how does knowing the bigger story change your view of Christmas? Because for years, it was just, it's so easy to make it just a story. But when you hear all that, how does that actually change the way you view this event? Does it give it meaning and life and purpose? And one more thing, have you actually fully realized how amazing God's gift of unexpected grace truly is. Meaning if you're a Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, you say you follow Jesus, have you actually realized how great, what an amazing thing Jesus did for you? Does your life say that you have? Or does your life look like you're still broken and and not with God? You don't know his presence? And for those of you who don't know Jesus... Are you starting to understand what God did? Are you starting to understand why we sing these songs? Why we pray? Why I stand up here and preach? It's not cuz I like talking, although I kind of do, but it's actually because God's changed my life and I want you to know that there is something so much greater than what you're living for. And as you go to small group, I want you to think about these two things. And you guys are going to discuss and you're going to chat it up, but this Christmas, honestly, Let's celebrate God's unexpected grace because it wasn't deserved, it wasn't earned, and yet he's so good that he, God, I and he died for us anyway. So I'm going to pray, and you guys can go to small group. Uh, dear God, I thank you for today. I thank you for all that you've done. I thank you, God, that you have never turned your back on us, and even though we continually turn our backs on you, that you will never turn your back on us. Jesus, I thank you that you came and you took my punishment, that you took our punishment on the cross, and you paid for it so that we didn't have to. God, I pray that for those of us who aren't following, that for those of us who who say that we know you, but our actions say that we don't, God, that we would actually give our lives to you, every part, not just our lips, not, not just saying your Lord, but God, that it would actually change how we are, that you would be the king over every aspect of our life. And God, for those, of you, for those of us who don't know who you are, God, I pray that today would be the day that we make a decision to believe in you and to follow. God, help us to celebrate your unexpected grace and thank you, Jesus, that you are so good. In Jesus' name, amen.